Today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, we put the spotlight on another one of the gems of Paul Bunyan Country, Lake Winnebagashish. Dave Weitzel from the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Office joins us, and Doug Schultz from the Walker Area Fisheries Office joins us with the Lake of the Week. It's all coming up. If I had a bar for every time my line got stuck, well then I'd probably have enough for a brand new pickup truck and a Paul Bunyan. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Well, every year about this time on Paul Bunyan Country, we check in with Dave Weitzel. He's the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor, and we take a look at one of the uh, gems of Paul Bunyan Country, and that's Lake Winnebagashish. And Dave, I think most people are pretty aware of what, what Winnie's all about, but uh, typically it has been one of the great walleye lakes of the North Country, no question. Yeah, certainly. So tell us a little bit about uh, what we've been seeing on the lake the last few years. And, you know, I, I think we talked about this last spring. We were getting a lot of reports that no problem getting fish, but getting them in that slot that you can keep has been the, the challenge the last few years. Seemed to do, we, we seem to see some uh, fish start to move into that, that nice uh, keeper slot area um, last year. Is that, is that correct? That's right, yeah. So we went through a, a period between 2014 and 2017 where survival of young fish wasn't very good. Um, and uh, with walleye populations, they tend to be pretty cyclical, so it's not uncommon to string together a, a period of poor year classes. Uh, the good news is it often sets the stage for a, a big population rebound once we get some good conditions for either stocked fish survival uh, or natural reproduction. And it turned out that the conditions in the springs of 2018 and 2019 were excellent. Uh, so we've seen uh, these two really large year classes uh, that seem to be working their way through the system right now. Um, the 2018s are quite abundant, uh, and we expect that those fish will be reaching 14 to 15 inches by midsummer. So anglers will definitely notice a, a big uptick in keeper-sized fish. But I think we're even more excited about the 2019-year class. Um, you know, we, we sampled them as yearlings last fall, and that looks like that could potentially be an even larger year class than the 2019s. Uh, so the stage is definitely set for some really good walleye fishing with uh, ample opportunities for harvest in the next several years. That's uh, and obviously that is, that is great news for guides. It's great news for resorts. It's great news for anglers. Um, you, uh, Winnie, was a lake that put a slot limit on quite a few years ago, and that seemed to really turn the tide from a, a long string of years where where they were struggling to find walleyes. That slot limit really worked for that lake. 
It did, yep. So uh, if you go way back into the 1990s before the slot limit, uh, you know, again, with walleye, you're always going to be hit and miss with this year class production. Uh, so if you don't have a slot limit, a lot of those larger, older fish get harvested. Uh, meanwhile, you don't have those year classes coming in, and you can get a big downturn in the population. Unfortunately, the slot limits won't necessarily protect against that year class variability, but at least it does help maintain uh, some adult fish that people can catch. You know, a lot of those fish ultimately have to be released because of their size, but it does help us get through those downtimes where the fishing's still pretty good, uh, even though the harvest opportunities are diminished. Uh, but it also helps us protect that uh, spawning stock that's out there so that when we do get good conditions in the spring, like we did in 18 and 19, that uh, natural reproduction can really help contribute to strong year classes when the conditions favor it. So from that standpoint, the slot limit story is, has been a success. Um, I think over time we've learned that once these populations are recovered, we can oftentimes uh, modify that slot and be a little bit less restrictive. Um, so if you go back uh, about five years ago on Winnie, we modified that slot from 17 to 26. Uh, and changed it to 18 to 23 because we built enough of that uh, spawning stock biomass that we could afford a little bit more harvest of those larger fish. Uh, and that seems to be a good fit for right now, but slot limits are something that we're constantly evaluating, and, um, you know, certainly we'll work with the, the public to be sure that uh, it's both socially appropriate and um, make adjustments as need be over time. And if I recall, you uh, strictly went with a slot limit. You did not have to restrict it to three or four walleyes. I think you maintained a six-fish limit, did you not? That's correct. Yep, on Winnie, it stayed a six-fish limit. So it's all natural reproduction in there, correct? Well, we, we do quite a bit of fry stocking. Oh, you do? Um, because, because we have the egg take site at Cutsfoot Sioux. Gotcha. So traditionally, we return 10% of uh, the egg take back into the system. Um, just as a safeguard, but but we think that the lake uh, can certainly maintain a good walleye population, whether we stocked or not. Um, so last year we weren't able to do an egg take, so there was no stocking. When we went out in the fall, sure enough, we caught about 40 young-of-the-year walleye per hour, uh, and those fish had to be from natural reproduction. So we know that uh, natural reproduction certainly occurs out there. Well, I mean, you're basically stocking with your own your own egg take, your own fish. It, it, Exactly. Yep. Just as an insurance policy. You know, one of the things that uh, that has been a challenge not only for Lake Winnie but many lakes and getting to be more and more is AIS. And I know there's been some zebra mussels in there, and that has affected uh, the the clarity of the lake the last few years. Yeah, it sure has. Uh, and unfortunately, with a lot of our more popular waters um, throughout Itasca County and much of northern Minnesota, we're seeing these new introductions. Uh, and in a very short amount of time, you'll see what we call these ecosystem changes, where you get an increase in water clarity. You get kind of a, a shift in the depths that aquatic plants are growing. Um, and it can certainly impact the fish's behavior. For example, on Winnie, when the water is really clear, we tend to get more of a night bite than we did historically. And that daytime bite becomes much more difficult. Uh, the good news is it seems like these a, a lot of the lakes are, are fairly resilient to invasive species. Um, so in other words, we're not seeing a, a wholesale crash of the fish population, uh, but definitely some changes in fish behavior that impact anglers. Uh, and I think the real risk is when you start to stack up invasive species. So we're, we're probably okay with the zebra mussels out there. 
But if you start to add things like spiny water fleas on top of it, before long, uh, things get complicated really quickly. For those who don't know, and I'm one of them, what is it that's particularly damaging about a spiny water flea? Well, it's they've got a long uh, spine that grows off their shell. They're actually a very small crustacean that's similar to our native water fleas. But this long spike off their shell makes it much more difficult for a small fish to consume them. Uh, so they're able to avoid predators to a much higher degree than our native zooplankton can. Uh, and that gives them the ability to all compete or, or in some cases even prey on our native zooplankton species. So we start to see a decline in some of the, the things that our small fish really need to, to feed on and survive. So it can have a very fundamental impact on the food chain itself. It is more uh, of us having to make an adjustment. I, I've heard, and it's all anecdotal, everything's anecdotal at this point, but you know what I've heard is, no, there's still plenty of fish in any of these lakes. It's just where are they, and uh, that was one of the big adjustments anglers had to make on Winnie. He was figuring out um, they're probably deeper than they used to be. Exactly, especially for a species like a walleye because uh, their eyes give them a huge advantage in a dark environment. Uh, they're going to seek out that deeper water where there's less sunlight, or a lot of times they'll move into that aquatic vegetation and, and hang out in the shade. Um, so they're, they're going to adjust to that uh, probably quicker than the anglers will. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it works. <laughs> You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Got a lot more to cover with Dave Weitzel from the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Office on Lake Winnie. But up next, we're going to swing the spotlight around to the southwest for our Lake of the Week. Lake of the Week Day, Lake of the Week Day, Lake of the Week Day, holy cow! It is Lake of the Week Day, and we're checking in with Doug Schultz at the Walker Area Fisheries Office. This week's Lake of the Week is Ada Lake, and uh, I know very little about Ada Lake, Doug. Uh, tell us all about Ada. Uh, Ada Lake is it's about 10 miles east of Bacchus, uh, a little under 1,000 acres, 963 acres. Uh, seven miles of shoreline, uh, maximum depth is about 60 feet, and the water clarity typically averages in the 12 to 15 foot range. So it's uh, it's it's fairly clear lake, decent yeah, and it's got a little bit of mid-lake structure, some humps and, and bars out in Middle Lake as well. What is it that makes this lake uh, intriguing? What do we find in there? Well, it's uh, we last surveyed that lake in 2016, and it's actually on the schedule here for, uh, again, this summer here in 2021. But it's best known, uh, especially locally, for panfish and bass. Um, crappies and sunfish in particular, uh, we don't sample crappies real effectively. Uh, with our standard summer sampling gear, but uh, the last survey we saw fish up to 11 inches, and um, we did a krill survey out there in 2011. And like I said, it's pretty popular for crappies, and about a third of the anglers we interviewed that summer were targeting crappies on on Ada Lake, and you know their anglers reported up to 12 inches in their catch that year too. So, um, you know, good crappie lake, and then uh, bluegills are, are pretty abundant in that lake. And uh, this most recent survey, we had about 38 fish per trap net, which is on the higher side, but we see pretty pretty good size quality in that lake as well, and, and several fish uh, sampled over over eight inches. So pretty pretty good panfish population. 
one of the things I'm going to be having to ask, I think, uh, a lot of people this year, is this one of the lakes affected by the new panfish regulations? No, not at this time. Uh, currently, it's still statewide regulation for panfish. Okay. But but decent size. Yeah, pretty good size quality. Okay. Yeah. How about uh, how about bass? Are we getting any bass in that lake? Yeah, and that's actually the next most uh, popular target on that lake is, is largemouth bass. And uh, we haven't been able to get out there in the spring to target electrofishing, which is the best way to sample bass. But, uh, you know, just in our standard netting, we, we've seen fish up to 15 inches in 2016. And anglers in that 2011 creel survey reported bass up to 19 inches being caught. So pretty good bass lake. Plenty of northerns in there, it looks like. Yeah, that's that it is not short of. <laughs> uh, piker, piker abundant in that lake and, and a little on the uh, too abundant side. Uh, gillnet catch rate's been as high as 22 fish per net in 2004. Uh, in 2003, we had implemented a 24 to 36 inch protected slot limit along with several other lakes in the area. Um, that regulation was removed this spring, so uh, this spring we're moving to that state, uh, statewide zone regulation or the north central zone regulation. Uh, possession limits 10 uh, fish that are 22 to 26 inches need to go back so 22.0 to 26.0 need to be released and of of that 10 fish bag you can have no more than two fish over 26 inches uh, included in that as far as that protected slot limit it, it, it both did and did not work uh, over time uh, we saw a reduction in pike abundance from that high of 22 fish per net to uh, 10 fish per net in the last couple of surveys. So for that aspect, it was actually doing what, what we had hoped it would do. However, the size structure really didn't shift much uh, with the regulation compared to uh, pre-regulation uh, prior to when it was implemented. Um, that proportion of fish over 24 inches remained relatively unchanged. Yeah, as with the maximum size, and Ada Lake is actually uh, one of those lakes we see a few few pike in the in that upper 30 inch range. It's got some pretty nice fish out there. Um, we didn't have compelling evidence either way to retain or or, or uh, remove that protected slot limit. So uh, we pushed it to public comments and solicited uh, folks on, on what they thought uh, they would like to do. It was pretty strong. Uh, support to revert to the statewide zone regulations. So, again, this summer uh, is the first year now with that protective slot limit removed, and Ada Lake is now in that north central zone regulation for pike. Okay. Um, what about walleyes? I see there aren't uh, a whole lot of them in there, but the ones that are in there seem to be a pretty good size. Yeah, and that's actually we'll start with perch, Kev, and, okay. and, and the reason is that's that leads into where we're at with the walleyes. You know, perch have never been very abundant in that lake. Uh, pike have. You can kind of see where this has been going. <laughs> um, the highest perch catch rate we've had on record was eight fish per net in 84. And since the mid-1990s, 1995, perch catch rates have remained below one fish per net. Consequently, it's not much of a perch fishery. And unfortunately, it's, it's also really limited our efforts uh, with improving that walleye population despite a lot of stocking effort. Um, you know, we've been stocking walleyes in that lake for a long time, but since 1986 we've stocked 7.2 million walleye fry and 7,200 pounds of fingerlings into Ada, you know, which averages out to, uh, you know, 240,000 fry and 240 pounds of fingerlings annually. So we're talking about some pretty big big numbers for a thousand acre lake, and despite all that we have not been able to sustain a gillnet catch rate above two 
Wally Pernett. So, you know, recruitment's always been limiting in that lake, and, and despite what we've put in there, it's continued to be limiting. Um, as a result, uh, we've discontinued our program stocking of walleyes in, in Ada instead are, are using that as a place to put some carryover from ponds when we have them. Uh, these will be, you know, fish that overwinter in ponds. We don't want them in there uh, because that reduces our, our fringling production that, that same year. So we'd like to get them out in the spring if we can, if we don't get a winter kill event to clean it out. Um, we actually just last week put in uh, about 175 pounds of carryover fish, uh, and those are catchable sizes already. Um, you know, carryovers are larger and have higher survival. You know, being bigger allows them to feed on a wider range of diet items, and they can also better avoid predation from other fish like pike. So, uh, you know, lakes like Ada, where we have some of these challenges, uh, carryovers are a good place to use them when we have them. And, you know, for folks listening, you know, they're probably saying, well, why aren't we just doing that all the time? You know, that, that would make the most sense. And there's two very good reasons for that. One is availability. Um, when we don't have winter kill is when we have carryover. So, uh, the, you know, when we have carryover fish, uh, those age one and older fish in ponds, that's, that's a very opportunistic. And, uh, you know, as a result, we just we can't plan on stocking them frequently. And um, and then in the southern part of the state, in particular, uh, where we get a lot of that fingering production, these carryover fish actually provide pretty good winter fisheries in those rearing ponds uh, for ice anglers. And um, at least you know if, if winter kill event doesn't occur. So a, a different way of saying it, uh, Kev, is you know we'd be robbing robbing Peter down in southern Minnesota, uh, where where fishing lakes are in short supply to satisfy, you know, Paul up here in the north where we have a lot of walleye opportunities already. So, right. um, carryover is great when we get them, but it's just not something we can plan on on a regular basis. Sure. So, Doug, one of the things when we do a Lake of the Week, we sometimes try to find those that are out of the way and uh, hard to say whether they are or not. What's the vibe on Ada Lake? Is it well-developed or is it one of those wilderness lakes? No, it's fairly well-developed, and, and, you know, angling pressure on, on that lake is in that 20-hour-per-acre range, so it sees quite a bit of use, too. So if we want to give it a try, how do we uh, how do we make our way to Ada Lake? From Bacchus, go east on State Highway 87 for 8 miles, and uh, that's going to take a... 87 is going to take a hard turn to the north, to the left, and you continue straight on the County Highway 49 for about a mile, and where that makes a corner... Uh, continue straight south on the county highway uh, county road 43 excuse me and the public access will be that first turn on the right uh, ada lake um, okay lake access drive i'm sorry okay uh, access is on that northeast corner of the lake all right and doug it's a decent sized lake it's not a huge lake but it's not one of those 30 acre ponds either no and, and it's it's you know uh, fairly round uh, for the most part a little bit oval shaped uh, and just, you know, really great panfish, panfish bass lake. It's our Lake of the Week. It's Ada Lake. That's Doug Schultz out of the Walker Area Fisheries Office joining us. Doug, thank you for the insight today. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let me swing the spotlight back to the east, and I'll resume my conversation with Dave Weitzel on Lake Winnebagashi. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. So what is it about Witty that makes it so productive and such a good walleye lake? Well, it's got a lot going for it. Uh, our best walleye lakes tend to be large, um, so 
from a statistical standpoint, if a lake is over a thousand acres uh, with uh, a majority of the water less than 30 feet deep uh, and a fair amount of uh, nutrient fertility, those are the best lakes for walleye. And, and Winnie kind of fits all of those categories. So it, it, it's got excellent habitat. It's the right size. Uh, it's a real good producer of yellow perch, which is a primary forage base for walleye. Um, and, you know, for a large lake, it's got uh, a, quite a few northern pike, but um, it's, it's certainly not a hammer handle factory like we see in some of our smaller lakes. Uh, so the walleye don't have uh, so much competition that it holds them back. Boy, that is the that is a good point about winning. One of the great things for people who are angling is, you know, if the walleyes aren't biting or you're just not getting the size you want, you've got great average size northerns, plenty of them. You have an incredible, generally a, an incredible perch population with some of the biggest perch you're going to find in Paul Bunyan country as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of different species on the lake, and they all seem to be good, healthy sized fish. They are, and then when you get into some of those smaller bays and connected waters, uh, there's a lot of sunfish and crappies, too. Uh, so uh, as far as a large lake goes, Winnie's probably one of the best multi-fishery large lakes. You know, a lot of our large lakes are really known for a single species, maybe a walleye. Um, some of them are certainly excellent musky fisheries. Uh, but Winnie's really got everything going for it. So during those times when the walleye bite is down, odds are that something else is biting. One of the things we don't talk a lot about, and yet, uh, you know, uh, we know they're there, and that's musky. You've got the, still have the state record musky coming off, uh, Winnie. And every year when they've got the big, uh, the big Muskies Inc. tournament, Twin Cities Muskies Inc. tournament up here, I, I take a look, and there's usually one or two pretty good sized muskies that have come off Winnie. Uh, but is, do we know if there's a lot of muskies in there, or, or is it just a bonus fish? It's, it, there's probably enough that that folks that like to target muskies could target them with one with, with a, a fair degree of success, uh, but it's definitely a lower population. Um, but what we find with most fish species, uh, if you have a low population size, fish tend to grow faster, and that's when you get the real trophy potential. Uh, so I definitely look at it as a lake where, uh, yeah, you could catch a fish of a lifetime. You're probably going to have to work for it a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but those truly large, trophy-sized individual fish are out there. And those are all natural Winnie muskies. There's never been stocking in Winnie as far as I know. Yeah, that's correct. That's part of that natural population uh, that that kind of extends from Cass Lake down through Winnie uh, and on into the Mississippi River. All right. Well, Dave, how big is Winnie actually? Oh, that's a great question. I, I want to say it's just shy of 60,000 acres. Wow, it's uh, it's got a, what is it? Is it top ten? I mean, as far as size in in Minnesota, in Minnesota, yep. Yeah, there's uh, there's some big ones, but yeah, Winnie is is definitely up there. It it tends to be you know not near any particular town or real real close to a town. It 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 uh, certainly gets plenty of pressure on it, but I think it uh, maybe gets a little rest that some of the other bigger lakes don't get. It does, and, and kind of the remote nature of the lake, I think, adds to the intrigue, um, you know, for folks that are trying to get away from it all and, and are avoiding some of the hustle and bustle. Uh, just the experience of going to Winnie uh, is really a great one. It, it, it really is. It's, it's a fun lake, and it's, uh, like you say, lots of fish to be caught. That rural aspect of it is, is kind of nice as well. Um, 
And and the other thing I think that maybe has helped Winnie the last few years, you know, when I, I would talk to, you know, I talked to guides all the time, and when they were having a hard time getting keeper fish, a lot of guides were moving on to some other lakes for a year or two, and maybe that takes a little pressure off and helps those fish recover as well. Yep, certainly. And, and that's the other nice thing about uh, kind of Winnie and the surrounding areas, that there are a lot of good options for walleye. Uh, you know, so maybe you spend a day out catching some of the larger fish for fun, and then you try another lake uh, the next day looking for those eaters. Winnie has been, has been again, one of the key walleye factories in our area for a long, long time. Is there anything right now, we talked about some of them, but is there anything right now that concerns you or concerns the DNR as far as what's going on on Winnie? Yeah, the biggest thing we're keeping an eye on is kind of a long-term decline in tulipy numbers out there. Um, tulipy oftentimes are an important prey species. They kind of add to that yellow perch prey base. Uh, but unfortunately, tulipy, they're a cold-water fish, so they don't do well with extended periods of uh, warm water temperature. Uh, and they also feed on those zooplankton that we were talking about. Um, so the zebra mussels are very likely impacting the food base for, for tulipy. Um, some people call them tulipy, some people call them cisco, uh, which has kind of led to, the, to a decline in, in those fish. Uh, so that's something we're keeping an eye on. There's not a lot of tools to address that at this point, uh, but we do think that it, it certainly puts more pressure on the perches of prey species. Um, you know, it affects anglers because some folks like to fish for cisco in the wintertime in particular. Uh, and the numbers aren't real good right now, and it can also affect the growth rate of uh, predators like northern pike. Have you heard of that being an issue on other lakes that have uh, zebra mussels in them? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, zebra mussel infestation is is likely having an impact on um, cisco populations in many places across the state. That's one of those ripple effects, right? Exactly, yep. Well, Dave, if you were a teacher in the classroom and Winnie was your student and you had to give him a grade, what would you uh, what would you give Winnie for a grade right now? Right now, I think I'd give it a B. Um, I think uh, later in the summer, going into next year, as, as those 2018 and 20, 2019 walleye grow to a more desirable size, it's probably going to become an A. Um, but, uh, you know, we're still at the point where uh, anglers are going to have excellent catch rates, but they're going to have to sort through fish a little bit to find those prime eaters this spring, um, but the future is definitely really bright out there. Dave Weitzel is the Grand Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor and our go-to guy when we want to find out about everything there is to know about Lake Winnebagashish. Dave, as always, we love having you on the show. Thanks for the insight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coming up tomorrow as we get you ready for the second weekend of fishing, a couple of angling superstars. We've got Bruce Jean from Rainy Lake Guide Service, and she's been a regular on the Brainerd Lakes area in the past, but makes her region-wide Fish and Ball Bunyan Country debut tomorrow. Mandy Urich joins us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the show anytime. You can do that at Podcast One or on the Pod MN app, which will also give you access to hundreds of Minnesota-based podcasts. Or you can do it wherever you get your podcasts. And again, we're on Facebook and Twitter. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Talk to you tomorrow. Fish and ball, 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 